Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. Carla, what do you hope to be the impact that you and your team at City make? Well, I hope that we are able to use the platform we have, the the brand we have, the the global uh, nature of our business to really be able to to bring people in that have different perspectives, diversity of thinking, diversity of their journeys, um, make sure that they feel like they are included and have a voice in the conversation and the solutions that we're providing, and then you know be able to build a brand that is stronger because of the diverse perspectives that are around it and ultimately drive business. And, and I would tell you that we are on the very beginning of the journey, but that is what I hope that we're able to do. Diversity, equity, and inclusion are three words that many brands and companies have been talking about a lot since the events of 2020. But DEI has been around for more than just a year. In this mini-series, I will be talking to marketers and executives about the ways they are promoting DEI in their organization. My guest today is Carla Hassan, who is now the CMO of J.P. Morgan Chase. We recorded this episode earlier this year when Carla was the CMO of Citibank. Citi is an enormous financial institution with $75 billion in revenue and a market cap of about $160 billion. In January 2019, Citi's then-CEO, Michael Corbat, declared that Citi's pay equity was unacceptable, and he made a public commitment to change it. In my conversation with Carla, we talk about how she was leading the charge in addressing the gender pay gap during her time at Citi. Along with addressing pay equity, Carla also talks about why DEI is more than just words to her, and why she is passionate about keeping DEI promises. This is my conversation with Carla Hassan. Carla, welcome back to the CMO podcast. We had such great feedback on your podcast last October that we invited you back for an encore. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I had such a good time chatting with you back then, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have a good conversation today as well. We will. And you, this is a very special episode because you're, you're our first guest on a new CMO podcast miniseries on diversity, equity, and inclusion in marketing. So I want to start with those three big words, diversity, equity, inclusion, and what they mean to you, what they conjure up for you. Yeah, that's a, a great question. I would start with, um, from a personal standpoint, they mean a lot to me. Um, I would tell you, you know, my background, I come from a family that left two countries to escape wars, first from Lebanon and then uh, from from uh, another part of the Middle East, the United Arab Emirates, and to, to, you know, to come here to the U.S. And I would tell you that my experience as an immigrant, as an Arab, I think inherently um, shapes who I am as a person. It shapes me as a marketer. It shapes me as a leader. And so for me, being a woman of color um, really kind of um, 
my, my experiences shape sort of how I look at the lens of DEI. So for me, it's very, very important to think about how we represent um, our teams and who represents our teams, because that when I think about those three words, that the, the, you know, they're, they're, they each have their own slight nuance, right? So they are about representation for sure. They also are about inclusion and being able to have different perspectives and be um, be asked to come to the table. And so I think that inherently from my perspective, because I look at things through a lens of the experiences that I've had throughout my life leading to where I am, I feel it's extremely, extremely important that DEI doesn't just kind of sit on its own as a nice to have, but that it really is a part of the business because I've seen it. I've seen it work when you have diverse perspectives. I've seen it work when you make people feel equal. I've seen it work when people think they have a voice at the table um, and it just changes business. It changes your creativity. It changes your solutions. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of it, but it starts because I come at it from a personal perspective and I've seen how it helps business. When we were together last October, we talked a lot about brand purpose. And and I'd like you to talk a little bit today regarding city. Where is this intersection of brand purpose and DE&I? How does that come together with city, with you, with your team? Well, look, I mean, to, to, to state the obvious, right, um, the last year and a half has been, I think, very hard for everyone. And when we think about where it's been particularly devastating, it's in those groups that are marginalized. Um, the pandemic has been disproportionately impacting women, people of color, um, the most vulnerable populations. And so, you know, as we think about all of the cries that we've heard for racial justice, with their, you know, echoing around the country with the murder of George Floyd, and now we're witnessing, you know, continued violence against Asian American and Pacific Islander communities. And, you know, for us, it becomes really important as as we think about DEI, to think about it um, from the lens of our values and the lens of our purpose. And it's really interesting, right? Because I think what we're seeing, you know the numbers as well as I do, that, that consumers, customers, quite frankly, even our institutional clients are now looking for businesses to really step up and be a part of the solution. So having no point of view is not good enough anymore. So I would tell you as brand leaders, we've got to recognize that you know future preferences are being shaped by what we do today. And so for us at City, the way we think about it is how do we tackle the things that are relevant to us as we think about what our mission is? So we have a mission of enabling growth and progress, right? And everything we do looks through that lens. It looks through the lens of progress broadly defined, not just financial progress, but societal progress sort of in general. And if it aligns with our values and if it's authentic with, you know, how we, uh, with the things that we value, then it's something that we put our might behind. And so I think when corporations, brands, companies think about DEI and they think about how that works with their purpose, they've got to really first understand what is their purpose? Why are they here, right? And from there, I think, understand truly what their values are. What things do they hold dear? And then from there, think about what that means from a DEI perspective and where they can authentically impact. Because people will sniff it out pretty quickly if you're looking at just the issue du jour, right? 
So if you're, you know, company that didn't care about a certain community before, and all of a sudden now are like, hey, we're here, we're here. Well, you haven't been here. Um, And so, you know, you got to be really, really careful that whatever you do, it's aligned with your brand purpose. That's extremely important. Let's zero in right now on what we're going to focus on today, and that is pay equity, uh, because that is something that is near and dear to you and your company. You, uh, I mean, I think it's like two and a half years ago, your CEO at the time at Davos made a strong public statement mm-hmm. about your performance on pay equity at City, and it wasn't acceptable yep. to, to him or to the lead team. And he made a very specific commitment at that time. Yep. Now, flash forward to today. You have a new CEO, Jane Fraser, and you were promoted to CMO last September 2020. So I want to ask you first a personal question. Have you yourself had issues with pay equity in your career? Oh, goodness. You know, I'm I'm sure I have. Um, I'm sure I have unknowingly in a lot of cases. Um, But I will tell you that every time... I have known about an issue. I have addressed it. Sometimes it's really uncomfortable. I think for women in general, Jim, I think it's uncomfortable. We don't like to talk about money. Um, And so, you know, I think from my perspective, the times that I have known, if I have known that there there was an equity, an an inequity, if you will, in my pay, I have just approached it objectively. I've just, you know, I've tried to take the the emotion out of it and just say, look, here's the data. Here's what I'm seeing, Um, you know, Let's talk not about, you know, how you're paying Carla, for example, but let's talk about the value of this role to the company. Um, and when I think about sort of impact uh, or, or, or the value of a role, I think about, you know, the remit that a role has, the visibility a role has, and the pay a role has. And a lot of times when we see inequity, we see, you know, that the visibility and the impact is really great, but the pay is not necessarily where it needs to be. I found, though, that anytime you go into a conversation, be it about pay equity or anything else, when I take the emotion out of it. And I just say, here's the data I've seen. Here's what I know. Can, you know, can we work together? Inevitably, there is always a solution for it. At least that's what I've experienced. But I wouldn't say that I've seen it broadly in my, in my experience. I think there have been a couple of very pointed times where, you know, I, the, the advice I've gotten is, you know, stay unemotional about it. Um, money is a very emotional thing, but if you stay unemotional about it and provide the facts, it's really hard for people to, to, to disagree with you. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. You are listening to the CMO Podcast. I'm Jim Stengel. Just a reminder that this episode was recorded when Carla Hassan was the CMO of Citibank. Now back to the interview. Now let's helicopter up and talk a bit about City and your yeah. progress at City on pay equity. It's a, it's a great story. You made some big commitments two and a half years ago. You're making progress, at least the data I have seen. One of the big issues was median pay and getting more women into senior roles. Mm-hmm. Can, so can you give us a little bit of a, an update and talk 
you know, most specifically about what you've learned that could help others? Yeah. So um, I'll go back to the to the beginning. It was 2019. Um, and you're right. Our CEO at the time, Mike Corbett, um, was at Davos. Uh, we were the first U.S. company actually to publish our unadjusted or, you know, what we call the raw pay gap for women and U.S. minorities. And you're right. Mike said at the time said, this is an ugly number. Um, the beauty, though, of, of being able to be transparent about that is that it allowed us to really not only sort of identify what the tangible steps were, but also hold ourselves accountable. So there's always an L, and we'll talk about this in, in terms of what I've learned, but the element of measurement, right, prioritization and measurement, which we'll talk about in a second, and how important that is. And so that was the kind of rallying cry for everybody to say, we, we have from the very top of the firm, a commitment that, or one, an understanding that this is not good certainly not good enough, and two, a commitment that we're going to be better. And so, like you said, we committed to closing the gap. We set goals to increase representation of both women and um, U.S. minorities in in senior um, and higher paying roles across the firm by the end of this year, 2021. And earlier this year, we launched um, we launched our sort of first measurement towards that effect. And you're right, we have we have improved. We're not yet where we want to be, but we have definitely improved. And you know, I. It's very. It's a very interesting. It was a very interesting dynamic at the time because I would tell you that we were really proud of the fact that we, you know, we we announced this that we were really transparent, and then my team came up with an idea to say, well, what if we told the world about this? What if we made it a discussion that was bigger than just City? Um, it's, sure, it's about what City did, but it's not necessarily just about that. It's about starting a conversation and seeing if others will follow. And so as part of that work, we launched a campaign called The Moment, where we featured children of city employees. We took them, you know, girls and boys, and we filmed their reactions to learning about the gender pay gap for the first time. Um, but we did it in order to spark a broader conversation. And if you look at the campaign, you'll see that some kids were upset, like the older girls and boys were upset. Younger girls were kind of like, wait, what? I don't, I don't understand. What do you mean girls get paid less than boys when we get older, that kind of thing. But it really sparked a broader conversation. And it allowed, I think, you know, it's very interesting in the marketing world, right? We, we talk a lot amongst each other, our, you know, CMOs. And I can't tell you how many people called and said, how'd you get that through? You know, like, how'd you get that through your, your organization? And I just think I'm fortunate enough to work at a place that believes that we're not just in this for city. And I truly, truly say that. I don't say it just as a, you know, as a, as a thing to say. Um, city's not only in it for for the benefit of city. We really wanted to spark a broader conversation. So, and it did, it did. And you know, I have, you know, there's other firms that didn't necessarily decide, and other organizations that didn't necessarily uh, go out and say, yeah, publicly, here's our issue. But I do know for a fact that there are, you know, many, many organizations that said, how do we how do we also take a look in the mirror and see what's going on with us? So maybe not a, a hugely broad, you know, public conversation about it, but certainly within their own four walls thinking about it. And I would tell you that, you know, it also had a massive impact on, you know, talent and and recruiting people who have come to city and will say to the HR team, the recruiting team, the 
one of the only reasons that I am here over somewhere else is because I think you guys are committed to pay equity and to, you know, female, you know, representation and leadership positions. So it's a really, really important conversation. And I, I think a couple of things I would tell you that we learned from that, Jim, number one is prioritize it prioritize it with any DEI initiative. If it's not prioritized from the very top of the organization all the way on down, it's not going to, nothing's going to happen. So that's what I would say is number one, prioritize it. And when I, you know, this was a really big one, right? Like this, these are big, big issues that we're tackling, but I would say on anything, even if you're leading your own team and it's not coming from the very top of the organization prioritize it. If you're a leader, prioritize it. The other is measure it. And we all know, like, unless you measure it, no one's going to care. And so this idea of holding ourselves accountable as much as possible, going back, you know, every, whenever, you know, whatever your milestones are to say, here's what we said we were going to do. Here's what we did. Did we deliver? Yes. Did we not deliver? No. Why not? Right. If we did deliver, how can we accelerate that and do more of that? Right. What did we learn? So there's a there's a real element of measurement there that I think is critical. The third is transparency. Right. It's really it's really scary to be as transparent as we were. I mean, you know, like most most people actually came and said to me, why did you guys even do that? Like, why? Why did you guys feel like you had to publicly say, make a statement like you're basically saying that, you know, your numbers are awful, like you're saying that. And that transparency, though, I think is what allowed us to say we've got to hold ourselves accountable. So for me, it's if you prioritize it, if you make it transparent, if you measure it. And then the last thing I would say in terms of learning is don't stop. It's not a one and done. Right. So this is not a, oh, yeah, we we you know, we we announced that our we had a pay equity gap and or, you know, raw pay gap and with women and U.S. minorities. And, you know, we decided that we were going to measure it. And so we did and we made our number. And so we wipe our hands clean and we move on to the next issue that that is the worst thing we could do. And so when we think about, you know, even this year, for example, we um we collaborated with the female quotient. Uh, we created an advancing equality calculator. It was really based on our, you know, on this, this shared commitment that we have with them to create transparency and accountability. And all it is, it's it's a very simple tool. It's a free digital tool. It helps any kind of any organization close their own gender pay, gender wage gap. It's um, it helps them increase accountability. It helps them um, uh, really understand the impact, quite frankly, that pay equity has on their profitability and their GDP. Like we worked with our economists at City to make sure that whatever that black box was of numbers in there, that it actually was credible and not just a marketing tool. And so if you think about that, if you're a decision maker in a company and you're able to identify, you're able to understand what the issues are, you're able to take the first step and it's it's private, it's your own numbers that they don't get published anywhere. But the idea is that it's not just about us and it's not just a one and done, right? So we have a platform to be able to impact the world more broadly, we have a responsibility to do that. We should. And so those are, I would say, my four, my four learnings. No, oh, that's great, Carla. Are there any industry uh, segments or companies that have been particularly curious about your progress to learn from? 
I would say it's across the board, Mm. across the board. I have had um, conversations with tech CMOs. I've had conversations with other financial services CMOs, um, consumer packaged goods. So it's been a lot of folks. I mean, even some CEOs of smaller companies that I know um, or that I didn't know would reach out and say, hey, I heard you on a panel talking about blah, 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 or I saw all the stuff that you guys did. How did you do that? Right? How did you do that? And actually, it's interesting, Jim, that's where I'm not qualified to, from a, you know, nuts and bolts perspective to tell people, right, exactly what we did and how we did it and all that. And that's why to me, it was really important to do the gender, the advancing equality calculator and not again, have it be a marketing tool because I was just hearing from so many people, what can we do? How can we learn? How do we know? And so when we got our economists in to help us work on it with obviously the the team at the female quotient, there was a real, a lot of energy around it. And it was just like, this is a, this is a free tool. Go, go use it. So now when people call and say, Hey, what did you guys do? How did you do it? Da, da, da. My answer is go use the tool. Cause that first like arms you with the knowledge, but like, let's just start with what the table stakes are, right? Like what, what at the very baseline, do you know, do you even know if you have a pay equity issue, right? In your company, you may, you may not, who knows? And so this really helps, I think, you know, people, um, people, you kind of move forward and, and try to find a solution, but it's been across the board, across the board, people interested. And interestingly enough, Jim, not just interested in sort of what we did, but more interested in as a marketer, interestingly enough, again, I, I think I said this earlier, how did you get that through? How did you get people to allow you to make a a national campaign about it, um, which was certainly not easy, but, uh, but, but we were able to do it. So the advice that you typically give them is, is it what you just gave us? Prioritize, be transparent, measure it, don't stop. Yes. Use the female quotient. That's the advice you give the CMOs when they call. Yeah. Those are the four yeah. things is the advice yeah. I give them. That's the four. And, you know, and, and the last thing I, you know, I would say, and this is not for pay equity, just only for pay equity, but I would say in general, anyone that does call and ask about whatever it is, it, the authenticity is really critical too, right? It's, it's just, it's, we have all, we have long been an advocate of women and of, you know, uh, of, of moms and helping that, you know, so, so I, I, as a firm, and so for us, this was kind of a natural extension, but those are broadly the four things I will always say. So how did you get the campaign through Carla? Um, well, with a lot of <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears, Jim, you know, you know how these yeah, things I know, go. I know. <laughs> and I know. here's the most interesting thing, and it'll be interesting, you know, as as your listeners hear this. I don't know if you know some folks will nod their heads, but you know, City is a firm that doesn't do things to pat itself on the back. It, it's one of the things I'm probably most proud of to be here for is that we are a firm that does things just because they're the right thing to do and because they align with our values. Very rarely are we going to be the ones that are standing in front of, you know, folks like pounding our chests and saying how great we are. And so there was a real a real conversation about that, right? Um, about, okay, well, we, we did this and we feel like this is the right thing to do. Do we have to do a campaign about it? Mm-hmm. Like, do we have to pump our chests and say, look how great we are? Um, and so there was a lot of conversation there. And once I got people to reframe the issue or reframe what we're solving for, right? I wasn't solving for let's pump our own chests. I mean, we did that with Mike, not we did that, but we had announced with Mike, the CEO of the company at the time at Davos, that we had these numbers and we had put a commitment. So there's no louder kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. megaphone than that. 
But for me, I reframed it and it was like, no guys, it's not about city. It's actually about a broader conversation. And I think when we did that is when people started to kind of say, oh, wait a minute, you, you might be onto something. I will tell you the other thing that was really important was internally. Internally, I felt like it was really important to talk to our people and to make them proud of what we've done. Um, and so part of my job is not just external marketing, it's it's internal as well. Um, and so this this we felt like this was a really big opportunity to get, you know, over 200,000 people really proud of the work that we are doing as a firm, again, to impact society and to drive progress in society as opposed to, you know, just uh, just do a campaign. So I felt it was really important for that, but I, it was not easy and not because people didn't think that it was a good thing to do. It was not easy because people were like, you know, can't we just, can't we just do this and change the world without telling, you know, millions of people. So if our listeners haven't seen the campaign, where could they find it? YouTube? Yeah, they can go to YouTube. Yep. It's on, it's on, and the, the campaign's called The Moment. I've read about your initiative that came out of this uh, transparency about the pay gap, and it's an initiative, I think you call it Women Leading City, mm-hmm. and I, that seems to be working in terms of addressing this issue. Could you say a little bit about what that is and why it's working? Yeah, we have, um, so we have a very robust city women um, initiative, employee resource group, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I think that, you know, folks are um, really, really engaged. And it's not just women who are engaged. And I think that's where it really works um, is when you've got allies that help um, drive the change and drive the conversation. And so um, from that perspective, you know, that that's, that's why it's because there is number one, there is a, again, prioritization from the top that it's really, really important. Um, and number two, because we bring in different perspectives and different points of views and allies that kind of help shape a lot of the programs and a lot of the discussions that we have. You are listening to the CMO Podcast. I'm Jim Stengel. Just a reminder that this episode was recorded when Carla Hassan was the CMO of Citibank. Now back to the interview. Now I want to talk about your specific role, Carla, in all of this. You're a CMO, and I'd like to hear how you worked with others in the C-suite to drive change and drive progress on this issue and pay equity with women and with U.S. minorities? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Again, I'm, I'm privileged that marketing at City um, has a seat at the table and that um, because we are the voice of the consumer, because we are probably the most curious of the functions, um, we bring in a lot of knowledge. And I, I try to, I try to um, as much as I can, uh, without feeling uh, like I'm, you know, that our team is being arrogant or trying to one-up anyone else, we try to make people smarter. And so, you know, we, we are constantly bringing new information, new news, studies, et cetera, to help people understand that, you know, the things that we are doing um, are meaningful. They are, they are important to what's going on in culture. They're important to what's going on from a consumer perspective, and they ultimately will be important for the business as well. And so the way I work with a lot of the functions is, well, there, it, there's two ways in. One way is they come to us and they say, hey, listen, we have ideas. Um, Here's some things we want to do. Uh, how can how can you guys make this big for us, right? Or how can we create 
you know, what's the story we want to tell around this, right? So that's one one way. And whether it's pay equity or other things, that's kind of one way that we have worked with many of the functions. The other way is where we come and say, listen, we've got some things that we're seeing that, you know, out here in culture that you may not see yet. Um, that's a maybe a fringe of an idea right now, but let's start thinking about that and exploring that together. And again, make them smarter and make them the leads, right? Marketing doesn't need to be the lead on everything. Marketing doesn't need to be the, you know, know it all on everything. Sometimes it actually is more powerful to support from behind and let others lead from the front, um, but arm them with the information that they need. And then once they're ready, be there to help amplify their story. So I've done it both ways, whether it's on pay equity or whether it's on, you know, a a, a lot of other things. Uh, Racial equity is a prime example. We are doing a tremendous amount of work on racial equity as a company uh, with regards to the not just, you know, donations that we make, which we do because there's organizations on the ground that are doing amazing work, but more importantly, with our business models, right? Whether we're increasing home mortgages for the Black community or, you know, making sure that we're, you know, uh, increasing the number of loans we give, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, or investing in minority-owned businesses. Those are those are all things that the business is doing. The role marketing plays there is helping tell those stories and help, help give them sort of a soul and a heart and not just, you know, the sort of transactional an, end of it. And so there, there are different ways in and, and the pay equity piece is exactly the same. The advancing equality calculator, for example, that was something that came from marketing. So it was something that we said, look, we think that there's an opportunity here to provide a service to other companies so that we can have a broader conversation. But we didn't go do it on our own because I think that, and this is another thing for, for, for those that are listening, the kiss of death, particularly in a company <laughs> the size that we are, is try it on your own. It's, it's, it's just, you know, you cannot do this on your own. These are big, major issues to tackle. You have to have HR sitting right there with you. In our case, on the calculator and even on the, the moment campaign, you've got to have employment lawyers with you. You've got to have economists sitting with you. You've got to make sure that you're looking at it from its totality and engaging them early on so that later on down the line, they're not like, wait, hold on a second. This, we, we shouldn't do this. Or, you know, is this really legitimate? thing or whatever. And so I do think that, you know, this idea that you can't do it on your own, you shouldn't try to do it on your own. And sometimes marketing will play a lead role and many times marketing won't. And that's okay. As you look forward, Carla, you've, you've made progress on pay equity. You're tackling some deep issues in racial equity and with your reach and the kind of communities you serve that, that feels like such an important one. Are those going to be the two pillars or are there other efforts, you know, cities embracing as you move forward on DE&I? Yeah, there's there are other efforts, but again, Jim, all consistent with um, historically our values and 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 those communities that we've supported. So I spoke a little bit about racial equity. Um, there there isn't there is another um, is L- the LGBTQ plus community. We have long been advocates for the LGBTQ plus community and 
last year, we found ourselves in another situation where we could actually be even more helpful to the community and really kind of change their lives. And so we were the first major U.S. bank to offer transgender and non-binary people the ability to use their chosen name on eligible credit cards. So imagine how many times have you said my name right now and how many times have I said, you know, your name. And if you are someone who is living a life without the chosen name that you know that that you have chosen for yourself and you have no ID to prove it, right? So you have chosen a name, you have no ID to prove it, to legally change your name, it costs an, you know, an insane amount of money and all kinds of red tape to go through. And so most people that are, you know, most trans and non-binary people, they go their whole life without having one piece of ID that has their name on it. And so in conjunction with MasterCard, we provided eligible, you know, US um, credit card customers with the option to change their name to use their self-identified chosen name on credit cards without requiring a legal name change. And, you know, and, and, and it's, it's just so important for us because we know the power of being true to yourself. And we just feel like customers should have the opportunity to be called by the name that they, that they believe represents who they really are. And so for us, we see it as more than a feature. And this is where, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about historically DEI has kind of sat on its own, much like, you know, CSR has sat on its own. We're now seeing it become a part of the business. Um, we have for the past couple of years, but more and more, we're seeing it become a part of the business. And so for us, this, the, you know, this feature is more than a feature, right? It's the notion that we as city are putting our weight behind this movement and really kind of rethinking the way that business supports the trans and non-binary community. And so over 10,000 people have, have called in and changed their names. 10,000 people. So we may, we, again, you know, we may think that that's a small amount of, you know, amount given that there are billions of people in the world, but 10,000 people's lives are going to be changed because a card is going to show up at their home Mm. that has their chosen name on it. And so what a, you know, it's a really meaningful. And I think, um, very few times in your career do you have the chance to do that kind of work that really changed people, changes people's lives. And so um, we had a campaign around it last year uh, and it just was, I mean, the, the response to it has been unbelievable. But again, in the world of trying to be authentic, you know, we had... Um, for example, the cinematographer was trans. Um, our, you know, our our director of photography was a non-binary photographer. Uh, uh, was was also trans. Our photographer was non-binary. So, I just think that we really tried to be as authentic as we possibly could be um, to the to the community because you know you don't you want to help them but you want to help them in the right way and you want to be authentic to them uh, and the way that they live their life so I, I couldn't be more proud of that work um, because I really feel like that was changing people's lives through a through a product and so to your point earlier about like DEI coming, you know, marrying with the brand purpose and then marrying with the business, nothing more powerful. One question I get a lot is where, and I think I know where you're going to go with this, but where should I take up my point of view Mm. of all the issues and opportunities in DEI? What, what stand should we take? How vocal, you know, and it's, it's a tough one. Yeah. So what's your advice to people? Because I'm sure if I'm getting that question a lot, you're getting it a lot. 
Yeah, it's it is a it is a really tough one. Here's what I would tell you: the way that at least I approach it, the way that City approaches it, um, and we've had many conversations about this. Is we live in a day and age where we can't afford to not take a stand. We we just can't. I mean, there's you know there's uh, the latest Edelman numbers, if I'm not mistaken, something like 42% of people said they're already starting to make decisions on the brands that they're buying and bringing into their lives based on the values and the actions of a brand. I mean, I remember even last year, two years ago, it was like I'm 42% of people are thinking about doing that. Right now, it's 42% of people are saying, nope, I'm actively kind of erasing you from my life and going to a different brand if you. Your values don't align with mine. And so I think we have to start with, I'm not sure people can stay silent on some issues. Now, having said that, I don't think brands should be vocal on every issue. I think that brands should internalize what are their values? Like, what do they really inherently believe in? And if you say that you are a company that you know, really believes in everybody gets to be themselves and, um, you know, humans should be who they are and you bring your authentic self to work and blah, blah, then, then, then you know what? You, you better have a perspective and a point of view when somebody says, you know, oh, this person can't do this because of who they are, right? And so I think that, but it has to be true to your values. Like if it's, you know, if sustainability is something that you don't care about and you're off like making, you know, uh, statements about sustainability or you're, you know, putting all of a sudden investments in, in those kinds of things, you're, it's going to seem like you're doing it because everybody else is doing it. So I would say, number one, you don't have to stand up for every issue. You, you really don't. And I think um, it's hard because people feel like they do nowadays. So that's that's what I would say is number one. Number two, I would say um, when you do stand for an issue, it's got to be consistent with your values. It really does have to be. I mean, there's so many things that come my way, not just in the world of DEI, but in other things that the team says, you know, we should support this. And the answer is we should support it. But I mean, it, or it would be nice to support it, but should we support it? Is it consistent with who we are? Have we been supporting it for years? And that's not to say that you don't, you know, wake up one day and say, yep, that's consistent with our values. We haven't supported it. So now we're going to. I think that's 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 okay as well. But the idea of staying true and authentic to who you who you are as a brand and what your purpose is and what your mission is and what the values are and really kind of digging deep and asking yourself that and then saying, okay, you know, we'll stand for these issues. Um, but you've you've got to stand for them. You if you decide that those are the ones you're going to stand for, you got to stand for them. You can't be wishy-washy. You can't dip your toe. It's got to be something that that you know that you have a perspective and a point of view on, knowing that in any like situation that you take a point of view on, someone is going to come and say, I don't like that you took that point of view. I don't, I don't like that. And I may, you know, I may leave because, you know, you're supporting trans people. Well, okay. That's consistent with our values as a firm. We believe that it's the right thing to do. So I'm sorry that you don't feel like it is. You have to be willing to deal with the downfall of it. So long as you are convicted that it's aligned with your values. Yeah. Carla, last question. Do you have any DE&I failure that you would highlight? Oh goodness! Um, it's a good it's a good point. We like to talk about our successes and our victories. Uh, we've all had issues and problems, and 
and areas we didn't solve in our careers. Yeah. Yeah. Is there one you would highlight? And more importantly, the learning from it? I feel like I have to think about that a little bit more because you're right. Like we don't dig deep into saying like, what, where was that failure? Actually, I, I have one. I do have one. It's less about my intention versus my impact. And it's more about going back to what you said earlier, which is how do you work with others? And so, you know, we've, we've heard so much about the awful, awful racism around our AAPI community here in the U.S. And we really wanted to say something about it. Uh, My team did. And we had a beautiful campaign. We have a beautiful campaign. It's launching uh, this week. And um, gorgeous, right? And it, it, it basically talks, you know, shows a situation and, and, and gives our point of view, right? And that we stand up against, you know, uh, racism of the community um, and, and that it's not acceptable. What we didn't do is we didn't pay attention to um, how do we, where are the proof points? And we have them, we have them all around. So it's not like we didn't have the proof points, but it's that we, we just didn't, meet with people early enough to be able to say, you know, how can we integrate those proof points into the campaign, right? And so we eventually have done that. But the point is that we had to, you know, we had to run through hoops to do that. And that's where I would say, pause for a second, be thoughtful, don't be in a haste to get something out that is beautiful and that you're proud of, but think about the totality of the message, the totality of what you're putting out there in the world. And so again, able to save it, but I, I'd call it a, a, a failure, not because you know we weren't able to ultimately do what we wanted to do, but because it took a long, a lot more time and we could have been out earlier with our message and we could have, you know, we could have avoided the, oh my gosh, we didn't talk to enough people in the, in the firm to get the proof points of what we're saying here. So I think there's, you know, examples like that. And then I'm, again, I'm sure there'll be, there'll be others, but those are, you know, that's one that comes to mind now because it's very recent. Carla, one sentence on the hope that you have that City and your team will make in this world through your DE&I efforts? I hope that we are able to use our platform and the size of our uh, organization and the power of our brand to really um, engage, uh, include, um, and empower everyone who, you know, wants to be at the table to be able to make a real meaningful uh, change not only to our business, but also to communities at large. That was one sentence, and it was a long one and a great one. <laughs> Thank you, Carla. Thank you. I really, really appreciate you, Jim. Thank you for inviting me. That was my conversation with Carla Hassan. Three takeaways from this episode for your business and life. First one progress on DEI takes a village with every villager involved. Carla talks about how City involves all of its departments in their DEI initiatives. They want to have all of their departments working and talking about how they can drive progress against their DEI goals. This especially includes bringing HR into conversations about recruiting a diverse group of eligible employees and to be sure that there is a diverse set of candidates for every job opening. Second takeaway management's job is to ensure there are clear DEI objectives for the business and communicating those over and over again to their associates. Third takeaway, one important job marketing has in DEI is to make sure the public knows that your company is not only hearing people asking for the changes, but to show you are making real changes 
in your DEI initiatives and you're acting on your promises. To learn more about DEI, please visit the links in our show notes. Make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you like the show, tell a friend and remember to rate and review us wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast DEI Miniseries is a Gallery Media Group original production in partnership with Deloitte Digital.